0: Hello, my name is Herb Garrison. I'm the Associate Dean for Graduate Medical Education at the Brady School of Medicine at East Carolina University, where I'm also a professor of emergency medicine and the designated institutional official for graduate medical education at Vidant Medical Center. I'm honored to have with me my guest, Dr. Mike Lang. Dr. Lang is the program director for our internal medicine and psychiatry residency combined program he's a clinical associate professor and vice chair of the department of psychiatry and behavioral medicine at the brody school of medicine and chief of behavioral health at vident medical center i'll tell you this about dr lang he's what we call a physician's physician he is one of the doctors that we go to that doctors at our university and medical center go to when we have a problem ourselves so it's really good to have him here. He's our local expert on wellness, and that's going to be our topic and well-being. And uh, Dr. Lang, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So our uh, our topic today, and let me just point out that neither of us have any financial disclosures related uh, to this podcast. That's an important thing and helps qualify us for the continuing medical education that you're going to be getting, and we really appreciate the help of uh, Eastern AHEC, Mildred Caraway, and all the people at Eastern AHEC that are helping us. Mike, let's start off. We're going to talk about well-being in this podcast. What is well-being?
1: Well, in short, if you look at the Oxford Dictionary, well-being is defined as being comfortable, healthy, and happy. But from a clinical perspective, well-being is actually a composite of what we know as overall total health. If you look at the World Health Organization's definition of health, it says, and I quote, a state of complete physical, spiritual, and mental welfare, and not merely being the absence of disease or infirmity. And so I clarify that by saying, you can have a morbidly obese 20-year-old with terrible health habits who has not yet developed the diabetes or hypertension that's probably inevitable. You can contrast this with a completely healthy 20-year-old who runs five miles a day, who loses both legs in a motor vehicle accident, thus well-being is actually a composite of multiple different aspects. Is it elusive? It is difficult, but it can be obtained. It's a habit that you have to cultivate.
0: What are some of the typical aspects of of well-being? How would we know when we arrive there?
1: Well-being has six basic elements that go into it. I think a great way to assess each aspect of wellness is to sit back and ask yourself a set of individual questions. So part one would be the physical care of one's body. So, are you eating regular, well-balanced meals daily? Are you skipping meals? Do you drink enough water? Do you get daily exercise? And by that, I mean at least 30 minutes daily of either aerobic or strength training. Are you sleeping more than five hours per night? Because we know, statistically, 40% of Americans get less than five hours of sleep on average per night, and that increases their risk of coronary artery disease by a factor of two. From a social and cultural perspective, one must be fundamentally happy in two places, either at home and at work. And we're going to revisit that statement in several subsequent podcasts. Home should always come first. So how is my relationship? Is my partner supportive? Are my partner and I communicating, problem solving, and having fun together? Having quality time away from the kids? Are the kids doing well at home and at school? Am I spending quality time with them? Can I separate work from my family life effectively? Are there outlets and resources that support my cultural beliefs and habits, such as churches or mosques or a like-minded community for support? Are there community activities I can genuinely enjoy without thinking about work and feeling guilty? Looking at number three, the emotional and the mental. Do I have mentally stimulating or relaxing outlets to reduce stress? Do I have a sense of belonging both in and out of work? Do I have time to enjoy myself without distraction? Can I process multiple emotions, including joy, anger, sadness, or exhilaration in a healthy way? Number four would be the occupational. Do I feel successful and productive at work? Is there enough time to do what I'm expected to do effectively? Do I actually make a difference? Am I appreciated and acknowledged? Do my supervisors recognize and reward my efforts? Can I contribute and my input matter to work-related problems? Do I have any autonomy or am I micromanaged? Number five would be the intellectual. Am I developing my current skill sets as a lifelong learner? Am I developing new skill sets that interest and invigorate me? Do I have time and energy to pursue personal development? Do I feel stuck professionally and intellectually? Number six would be the spiritual. Do I feel I have a meaningful purpose in life. Do I have energy and ability to contribute to causes and issues of importance to me? Are my friendships supportive? Have I adequately reduced the negativity in my life? There are two special subsets to these that I also add, which is the financial. Whether we like it or not, money does matter. Do I have adequate financial means to secure the resources to meet all of those above needs that I've mentioned? There are no transportation or food insecurity issues. People with those are at high risk for impaired wellness. Are we overwhelmed by debt and feel the need to work two jobs? Do you have retirement planning? And I based that on a CNBC article that I'd read showing that 15% of Americans have absolutely no retirement savings. And another 17% only have a 10th of what they're going to need facing retirement. Lastly, the physical environment. Is that environment clean? What is the level of pollution? Is it safe? Do you have cordial and friendly neighbors? Are you where you want to be living? Am I using my resources wisely and recycling, for example? If the answers to all of those above questions are positive, then you probably have a good handle on your overall wellness.
0: So that's a pretty tall order.
1: Very. Those six things, physical,
0: social, emotional, occupational, intellectual, spiritual, Do you have to be firing on all six cylinders to have well-being? If you get 80 percent there of most of them, can you get there?
1: I think if you're at 80 percent, that's a B and you're probably passing. Nobody's going to be absolutely perfect. This is the ideal that you're going to strive for. And so what I tell people to do is look at each one of them individually and go, what small step at least can I take today to move myself in that positive direction?
0: And In all four, in all six, or do you pick one and say, that's the one where I need to work on?
1: I would say you need to probably look at all six. What people find is they'll focus on two or three and ignore the others. And that's like saying, well, I'm not going to fix the sink in this bathroom. I'll fix the sink in that bathroom. And you still wind up with a leak.
0: How do I know if I'm there?
1: How do I know if my being is well? I think it's one of those things that you kind of know it based on your level of function and how you're interacting with the people around you. I think your colleagues and your friends and especially your loved ones know when you're well.
0: So if you have a colleague that says, hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And they sort of, the tone is, I'm worried about you. Is that when you need
1: to take an index of these things? You need to take a stock of that. And we're going to get to that question in a later podcast. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. (laughs) So a, a lot of the
0: people that will be listening to us are clinicians, mm-hmm. healthcare care professionals. Um, we hear a lot about uh, burnout and wellness and well-being when it
1: comes to clinicians. Why is it a special issue for clinicians? We have been looking at this from a clinician perspective for a long time simply because of the intensity of the discipline that we are in. And uh, the area that I like to cite here was the Medscape, Uh, 2020 burnout and suicide report for physicians, and that was very sobering. Uh, 30 to 54% of physicians across all specialties reported significant burnout. Family medicine and OBGYN, for example, reported 46%. The subspecialties were not spared. Actually, neurology, nephrology, and urology were all over 50%. Critical care, cardiology, and internal medicine were 44%. 36 percent of our millennial physicians said it significantly and negatively impacted their lives. 50 percent of the baby boomers agreed. Many physicians used positive coping strategies, which was good, but just as many did not. Very common negative coping strategies included isolation at 45 percent of our physicians, alcohol use at 24 percent, binge eating at 20 percent. Most concerning was the data on suicidal ideation, 33 percent of our physicians that have thoughts of hurting themselves, and another 9% preferred not to answer, which kind of makes me think you could probably lump them in with the 33%. So that's not quite half of our doctors across the board thinking about hurting themselves. That's not a good statistic. So the implication is
0: that um, not a majority, but it, at some point in, in a career, a physician might experience burnout. Correct. Or, or and, it, and they don't have to be a physician. I, I guess the same thing applies to other types of clinicians and healthcare professionals. Equally
1: true for our nurses and in virtually every other discipline in healthcare.
0: Is it inevitable that as a, a healthcare professional I'm going to experience uh, a burnout?
1: I would like to think not. I think the reason why we're experiencing burnout is that clinicians, <laughs> as a general rule, do not pay attention to those six or seven aspects of wellness as well as they should. They might do some like we had alluded to earlier, they might pay attention to their physical body. They might make sure that their cholesterol is well controlled, but they're not taking care of their emotional well-being at all.
0: How does that affect us as clinicians? Uh, Are are we really optimizing how good we could be as clinicians
1: if we're not paying attention to our well-being? Regardless of the discipline, if you are burned out, you are not performing at optimum capacity. The brain is not going to be firing at all cylinders, and the body is not going to be following the brain. And so you're not going to have the level of engagement. You're not going to have the level of attention to details because your ability to care and connect is impaired. And so uh, my answer to that would be an emphatic yes. When they're burned out, they're not as good as they could be, or they could be bordering on bad. So we're in
0: the middle of a pandemic. Indeed. Um, We, we, we just this past few days, we've heard about Omicron and the newest and latest uh, variant, and mm-hmm. a big question is uh, what's been uh, the effects of COVID
1: on well-being? Uh, made it worse? Have we gotten better? What, oh, what's COVID the pandemic done, done? Yeah, COVID has done nothing but make this worse, although I am very quick to point out to people that burnout did not just start with COVID. I will read you a couple of quotes to bring this home because a lot of people think that this is a relatively new problem, and it's not. And so, suicide rates for physicians are at higher levels than rates for the general population. The somber fact that young physicians, presumably under careful scrutiny in a training program, will violently end their lives points to a pressing need to devote as much attention to the emotional aspects to the physician in training as to his medical skill. While it is true most suicides are not rationally planned, it is generally accepted in 60 to 75 percent a warning or cry for help is given. It must be the responsibility of those physicians working most closely with these younger doctors to be alert to their serious emotional stresses which may be present. And this was cited in 1968 by Dr. John Duffy. Burnout is not new. I think it's just been accentuated by all the stresses that COVID has put down upon us.
0: Expand on that a little bit. How has uh, COVID put a new light on, on well-being
1: and burnout? What COVID has done is it has stretched an already overstretched medical society to the breaking point. Longer hours with, quite frankly, more calamity. You know, we did not get into this profession to watch people die. And in many circumstances, especially with COVID, that is exactly what we've had to do. There has been a lot of fear of contracting the disease, especially earlier on in the pandemic. We had absolutely no idea how much protection was going to be enough You know, did you need an N95 with every patient encounter? Because of that fear relative to contracting the disease yourself or, God forbid, bringing it home to your elderly parents or your young children, people isolated. Also, when we had the pandemic, there wasn't any way to get to the outlets that we would normally use to help ourselves. There was no going to the gym. There was no going out to dinner. There was no going out to the movies. And so the things that people would do to rejuvenate themselves they didn't have. As such, we had a lot of work with high stress and a lot of disappointment going home, trying to sleep, probably not doing a very good job of it, coming back to work to do the same thing over again, a recipe for burnout.
0: So we just have uh, about a minute to go, so we're going to wrap this up. And first, I'd like people to know that there will be some additional podcasts where we'll go in more depth on a lot of these topics that we've just touched the surface on. I really appreciate Dr. Lang. Uh, being our guest, and Mike, I'm going to finish on a personal note. I really like how Stephen Covey calls the need for doing this, sharpening the saw, that if we're going to be effective, we've got to sharpen the saw. What What do you do? What's your sharpen the saw go-to thing and something that we might recommend to our colleagues out there?
1: Me, personally, I have a hobby. <clears throat> you know, I'm a nerd at heart, and I've been collecting comic books since I was five years old, and so when I want to get away from here and get as far from medicine as humanly possible, I go to read Captain America, believe it or not. It is very relaxing, and it allows me to cultivate my attention in an entirely different perspective. So I think everybody needs to have that something non-medical, and I stress non-medical, that we can do to take us away from what we have been doing. Total diversion from Total medicine. Total diversion. Yeah. As far from medicine as you can possibly get.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We hope to be talking to everybody out there soon. Thanks a lot.